Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 22. We're going to look at a story, uh, a couple stories tonight, a couple individuals. And uh, this story that we're going to look at first really is when you actually stop and think about it. You know, sometimes we read, we just read through the Bible too fast. We don't kind of take the time to really think about it. And it's very difficult in our generation to do that. We are so used to all the media stuff. I mean, you watch television these days, and it's almost overwhelming just all the visual and everything that goes in it. I mean, it's it's just beautiful. Uh, just all the pictures and the high quality, high definition video. We got these big screen TVs, and they have to do all that stuff to keep our attention. Otherwise, because our attention spans are are so you know short, and if we don't have all that visual, we really don't think very good. A lot of churches today, they've you know, they've got all these you know, fan, you know, these big screens, and they have all these fancy graphics and pictures and things that come up during the messages because a lot of people, if they don't have that, they lose their attention. We have a very difficult time paying attention to what's going on, and especially kids these days. I mean, just taking and looking at black and white on paper and reading it, they can't do it. They need pictures. I mean, pretty soon, I just thought about this. You know, if it, this just hit me. I just thought of a way I could make millions of dollars, but it probably the Lord probably would not appreciate it. I'm going to come out with a comic book Bible. That's going to be the new version. Comic book Bible, whole Bible, all the pictures, and everything. That that'd probably be a big hit. But no, because uh, people these days they can't do that, and we are oblivious to so many things. I mean, it's very easy to just read through a whole chapter of scripture, and there's all these convicting things on there that we ought to be seeing that God's trying to get our attention with, and it just it just doesn't work. I mean. Uh, we're, we're, like I said, we're so consumed with all the visual stuff and all the media. I mean, there was a time when if you wanted, if somebody had a birthday or something, you'd go and you'd send them a card. And you'd have to go to the store and you would have to go and look at all these different cards and you'd go in there and you'd write them a note and things. Nowadays, people kind of do it over emails. And have you ever seen some of these email birthday cards? They're not just words. They're not just pictures. Sometimes they're little videos and animations and things that's doing all this stuff just to wish somebody happy birthday. And uh, if we if people don't have that these days, it's very difficult. But you know what? God gave us His Word the way He wanted, the way it, and it's the way it should be. However, we've got to pay attention. And also, and what we're going to be talking about tonight is noticing the warnings. Noticing warnings. There's many things that I believe are going on in our world today, in our country, that are warnings from God, but I believe it's going right over people's head. Because God's not opening this big picture, high definition, 3D picture in the sky, spelling it out for us with the latest and coolest graphics. People aren't getting it. But it's very clear, especially if you read the Bible. We're going to look at some guys today who... God gave some pretty clear warnings to, but I want you to see how oblivious these guys are because it reminds me of just your average person today. So in Numbers chapter 22, verse 20, we are going to look at the story of Balaam and his talking donkey. A talking donkey. How many of you today, if you 
were out and about, or you were riding on a donkey, and it started talking to you, it would get your attention. Yeah, I'd probably take off running. But we had a, a guy, there's a guy that happened to in the Bible. And what, but watch his response. It's very interesting. So Numbers chapter 22, verse 20 says, And God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went and the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. What's happened here is Balaam is on his way. It kind of looks like he's obeying God, but Balaam is already decided in his heart that he's going to do something else. He's planning on disobeying God. He hasn't yet, but he's planning on it. So keep that in mind. And so the Lord sends an angel as an adversary to him. Somebody who is going to try to stop him from what he's about to do. This says, now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. Balaam doesn't see the angel. He, but the donkey does. And the donkey, he sees the angel. He sees the sword drawn. And the donkey was smart enough to know and donkeys are pretty dumb. But it was smart enough to know that I probably better go a different way. And so he turns to go through a field. Balaam gets mad. He hits the donkey. And it says, on 24, But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself under the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall and he smote her again. So this this donkey's doing everything it can to stop Balaam from going that way, and it even goes as far uh, it's hurting Balaam. It's in a narrow path and crushes his foot, and Balaam, boy, he loses his temper. He goes and he smites that donkey again, and it says uh, in verse twenty or verse twenty eight, and the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? Um, or actually, I skipped the verse. Verse 27, When the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. So three times, okay? Now, Balaam, he should have known. I mean, this donkey that he had, it was a good donkey. We're going to find that out in a minute. The donkey tells him he was. And it, I mean, it was loyal. And he should have known that, hey, there's something wrong with this, with this donkey. Now, Balaam knew that he was on his way to do something wrong. Something that he shouldn't do. And you would think that he would have been a little cautious on this trip. You know, it's like children. Whenever they know that they're doing something their parents don't want them to do, a lot of times they're kind of careful about it. They're kind of looking around. Is anybody watching? Because they know that if they get, you know, if it's seen what they're doing, they're going to be in trouble. So they're kind of careful. They're cautious. Maybe if you are out in public and you are breaking the law, okay, you're watching for the police. For example, you're speeding. Um, I've never done this before, but maybe you have. You know, you're driving along, and all of a sudden the light turns yellow, and you kind of want to go through it, and you just kind of make that quick look. Are there any policemen watching? And if there's not, you go ahead and go through it. I've never done that before. I, I don't want to lie in the church house, <laughs> but you know, you're kind of looking, you're watching, and 
When you had people know they're doing wrong, they're usually watching, but Balaam, he's not. You would think that that would have kind of sign whoa, my donkey's acting kind of weird. He wasn't paying attention. He should have realized that there, you know, why, why is it acting this way? Is there something out there? If it was me, I would have been. I think I would have been watching really close. If I am willfully and openly going against what God has told me to do, but Balaam didn't notice it, and the donkey finally just drops under him. He gets mad and takes a staff and he hits him. But then all of a sudden, the Lord, being very merciful to Balaam, I mean that angel was going to kill Balaam. It was going to kill him. This donkey was saving his life. And you would think God would have said, you know what? Three times your donkey has tried to save you. Three times. You know what? You're more stubborn than he is. I'm just going to let the angel take you out. But God was merciful. God shows Balaam a very obvious sign. Listen to what it says. It says, The Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, Alright, this is the donkey talking. What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? Okay, now me, all of a sudden I'm going to be thinking, what is going on? I'm probably going to start running. The first thing that's going to come out of my mouth is, what did you say? Balaam though, and Balaam said unto the ass, because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill thee. Why is he arguing with his donkey? Why isn't he floored and flabbergasted that this thing's talking? He's like, I'm mad at you. You mocked me. You made me look bad. You crushed my foot against the wall. You just dropped down. If I had a sword right now, I would be killing you. And then, and the ass said unto Balaam, Am not I thine ass upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever want to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. This donkey's like, Hey, I've never done this to you before. And he's like, have I ever done anything? He's like, no, you haven't. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. So Balaam, he's just having a conversation with his donkey. Now It's like he's not even realizing that there's something serious going on here. And then God is merciful again, gives him another sign. And then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. Balaam finally figures it out. That's why the donkey wasn't going. That's why the donkey is acting the way it's acting. He saw that angel there standing with the sword and all of a sudden he realizes, I almost got killed. I almost died. This donkey has saved my life. It says, And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me and turned from me these three times. Unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. And Balaam said unto the angel, Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, displease thee, I will get me back again. Oh, this angel said, I would have killed you and I would have saved her. I would, and that donkey, your donkey just saved your life. And now Balaam's like, I'm going to go the other way now. I'm not going to do what I was planning on doing. Balaam finally gets it. But it was almost too late. And you know, we have, we're seeing that, it seems like these days, where people are going down this wrong path. And God 
in His mercy. Listen, sin will destroy your life. Sin will it'll ruin everything in your life. It'll destroy your marriage. It'll it'll uh, it'll destroy your health. It destroys it destroys everything. And when you sin, there's going to be things that happen. There's going to be judgments that come your way. God is going to punish you sometimes if you're His child because He's trying to stop you from taking a path that's going to kill you. And God does that when God is punishing us. He's doing it out of love. He's doing it... It's an act of mercy that He's doing. But yet many people, they don't. they just seem to be completely oblivious to it. They continue going down that path. And sometimes I, I feel like the donkey. I'm thinking, hey, can't you see what's going on? The donkey could see what's going on. I mean, this is this donkey too, even though it was talking, it was still dumb. Look at what Second Peter chapter two says. This was this was not a smart donkey. It was a dumb donkey, but yet it seems in this case it's showing more wisdom than Balaam. Second Peter chapter two and verse fourteen. It says, "Having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart, they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children." which have forsaken the righteous way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb, the dumbass speaking with a man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. It said the dumbass speaking forbade the madness or the craziness. What Balaam was doing was literally crazy. And a dumb donkey knew more than he did in this situation. And when you see the way that the world is going and the things that people are doing in their lives, sometimes I think they're dumber than a mule. They're just completely clueless and oblivious. I mean, they look at their lives and they think, why does my life stink so bad? Why do all these horrible things happen to me? Because of sin. Maybe you need to change your ways. Maybe you need to take a different path. I remember one time we uh, it was after a really bad winter and we were we went to visit my wife's grandma and we took a different way home and we went down this road that was just horrible. I mean potholes all over the place and we thought we thought we were going to have a blowout on our van. That road was so bad. Everybody's kind of riding on the shoulder of the road. That's how bad this road was. And I remember next time we went there we know what we said, we're not taking that road home. That is not a good path. That path is going to hurt our van. It's full of potholes. It's full of things that could could hurt it. And so we didn't want to go that way anymore. And we see people these days, they're constantly taking the life of sin. I think about how many people's lives have been destroyed through through drugs and alcohol. And yet, people continue to go down that path. They'll go and they'll, uh, people will take that path in their life and it will be destructive. It will cause them problems. and I mean, one problem after another, they'll lose their marriage. They'll lose their families over these things. And you would think they'd say, you know what, I'm not going to take that path anymore. They go and maybe they get out of it for a while and they go right back to it. Why would you take that path again? Why would you do that? A lot of times you see that the parents will take a certain path and it destroys their family destroys their marriage and then the kids grow up and they take the exact same path. Why would you do that? 
It's destructive. Sin will destroy you. Notice, notice the warnings. Pay attention. Balaam, he hadn't done anything wrong yet, but he was planning on it. You know what? Sometimes God, He knows what's in our heart. Sometimes things are come along and people are like, what did I do? It's like, it's what you're going to do. God, God knows what you're thinking. You know, it's, it's like Balaam here. I think, I almost wonder if one of the reasons he was so clueless is because he was thinking, God's not going to know what's in my heart right now. God doesn't know what I'm thinking. It looked like Balaam was going to obey God, but he wasn't. It looked like it. And I guess Balaam, he must have thought, I'm fooling God right now. But he wasn't. And we're not going to fool God. And there may be things that, that are going to come up that God brings in your life that God's just warning you, hey, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're planning on doing. I've seen it with my kids before. I've yelled at them before they've done it. And you can just kind of see it. You see it in their eyes. You can see it. You can tell they're getting ready to hit their sister. You can tell they're getting ready to do something that they shouldn't do. And you try to warn them that, hey, go ahead, that's going to get you in big trouble. Go ahead, but you will regret that. And Balaam, it took a lot, but thankfully he finally noticed it and he obeyed God in this situation. But I want us to look at another example, though, of somebody in the Bible who didn't notice the warnings until it was too late. And let me tell you, his warnings were very clear. And in the book of Judges, chapter 14, we look at a man named Samson. Samson is a well-known figure in the Bible. He was, he's known for his strength. We're not going to take time to read the whole story of Samson. But Samson, he was a Nazarite from his mother's womb. In the Old Testament law, there were many times... Uh, the Bible explains in the Old Testament how uh, they would take a Nazarite vow. Sometimes it was for a month, maybe three months. I think it might even went as long as a year. But uh, and during that time, when they would take a vow, they would uh, during that period of time, however long it was, I think it was usually only about a month. They would not take anything that came from the vine. No grapes, no grape juice or wine, as they called it in the Bible. They would not touch anything that came from a vine. During that time, they were not allowed to go around anything that was dead. They weren't even supposed to go near it. And also, during that time, they were not supposed to cut their hair. And Samson, he was a Nazarite. He was very special. God told his parents that he was a Nazarite from his mother's womb. During the time he was, his mother was pregnant with him and nursing with him, she was not allowed to take anything that came from a vine. No grapes, no grape juice, nothing that came from a vine. And Samson, for uh, all these years, I, I don't know exactly how many it was, he's kept this Nazarite vow. But I want you to notice though, later on, he starts doing some things that kind of went against those. And God gave him some very clear warnings that he was completely oblivious to. One that we see, Judges chapter 14, verse 5, it says, And Samson went down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath. Came to the vineyards. A vineyard, that's where they grow grapes. Why would somebody who had taken a Nazarite vow be in a vineyard? He had no business being in there. He didn't need to go through there. It didn't make any sense. He should not have been there. I don't know what I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what he was thinking. But he shouldn't be in there. It's like a Christian. 
We don't have any business going into a bar, right? If you're, well, I'm not going to drink. Well, why tempt yourself? Why go surround yourself around something that's sinful, around something that God doesn't want you to be involved in? Why would you do that? And that Samson, he did that very thing. He's in a vineyard, and it says, and behold, a young lion roared against him. But God was merciful to Samson. God didn't want to kill Samson yet. And it says, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid, and he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. Why didn't he tell his mom and dad about that? You know what? If I fought a lion and I killed him with my bare hands, I'm telling everybody about it. That's just me. You would think, man, what a conquest. Kill a lion with my bare hands. But here's the thing. If he would have told his parents what he had done, he would have had to explain why he was in the vineyard. Because he knew he wasn't supposed to be there. He knew there was a problem. Uh, you know, I've heard it said before, uh, or you know, it was a joke, didn't really happen, but there was like a preacher was out one time, he decided he was going to skip church one day on a Sunday, and he was out golfing, and he hit a hole in one. But you know what? He couldn't tell anybody. Because he would have had to explain what he was doing out golfing on Sunday, and uh, you know that that would be me. If I ever decided to play the lottery, I would probably win, and then I would have to figure out, okay, now how am I going to explain why I was playing the lottery? <laughs> and I mean that that's probably what would happen with me and Samson. He's killed this lion, but he can't tell anybody about it because he should not have been in that vineyard. And so, and you would think, all right, now me. If if I went into a bar, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that if I decided to go to one, I'm just going to go there to eat. All right. That's when some drunks would get in a fight, and I would get caught in the middle of something and get my head busted open. And then I'd have to explain why I was in a bar. I remember talking to a guy one time, and him and his wife were at a bar, and some lady was drunk and started fighting with his wife, and took a broken bottle and cut his wife's face. And you know he was. Feeling sorry for her himself, they went through that. You know that's sad, but at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, that's why it's probably not a good idea to hang around a bunch of drunk people. You never know what they're going to do. Sometimes teenagers, you hear about the situations that they end up in. You hear about the group that they were hanging with, and it's like, well, you know, that kind of thing's going to happen. It would be like me feeling sorry for myself because I'm going, you know, I'm hanging out in the south side of Chicago after midnight. And I end up getting shot or something. I'm going to have a tough time getting sympathy because the question is going to be asked: What were you doing there? Why were you there? Why would you do that? And I'd have a hard time getting sympathy from people. And Samson, he should—you would think he'd have kind of been on his guard. Me, I'm going to be careful if I'm doing something that I, if I'm someplace I know I'm not supposed to be. I'm going to be a little scared. I'm going to be a little bit nervous. If I know God wants me somewhere and I'm somewhere else, I'm going to be watching my back. And you would have thought that when that lion came, that Samson would have been like, I'm never going through a vineyard again. Never again. But you know what? Samson did. Not long after that, when he came back through, he went to go look at the carcass of that lion. Now, why would he do that? First of all, it's in the vineyard. He's a Nazarite. He's not supposed to go around any dead thing. But he did. He went into he he went and he uh, violated a part 
of that Nazarite vow. Samson did not notice the warning of the lion. But another warning Samson missed in the very next chapter, in Judges chapter 15, we're not going to take time to read through the whole thing. But Samson, he didn't notice the warning, not only of the lion, but of the legion. Samson had a whole army of people come after him. Samson, he, I mean, uh, he shouldn't have been in this area where he was at. Uh, it's a long story that uh, kind of goes into what was going on here. But Samson had an entire army after him. And Samson, the Spirit of the Lord came on him. God was merciful to him again. God gave Samson power in spite of his disobedience. And Samson took a jawbone of an ass, the jawbone of a donkey, and he slew a thousand men with it. Slew a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. You'd have thought after that, Samson would be like, man... I mean, he was wore out after that too. As strong as he was wore out, God did a miracle, and God took that jawbone and he that caused a hollow place to be in there where there was water, and Samson was able to drink that water because he was about to die. He was that tired, he was that thirsty after that battle. And you would think that Samson would say, "Man, I've been going at, I've been going to the wrong places. I've been around the wrong women." It was actually a situation with a wife that Samson never should have married. That got him in that whole mess. And you would think Samson would have said, Man, I better start following after God. I just, not only did I have a lion after me one day, I just had a whole army after me. I had to kill a thousand men. But Samson didn't know. Samson got in a lot of trouble with women, with this wife that he married. Uh, there was another harlot he got in trouble with. And then finally, he didn't notice the warning of the lion or the legion. He also didn't notice the warning. Of the liar. You all know the story of Samson and Delilah in Judges chapter 16. We're not going to go and read through the whole story. But she kept trying to find out where his great strength lied. And he would say, hey, if you if you buy me or tie me up with a new rope that's never been used, I'll be weak as other men. And so she ties him up. And then she says, the Philistines be upon thee. And the Philistines, they come and eat us. Breaks the ropes like nothing. He was he was lying to her, but she was lying to him too. And he thinks like, man, you know, why'd she try doing that to me? And then she starts badgering him again for the secret. He goes and he tells her something else, and she does it to him. Philistines be upon thee. She lies to him again three times. She does this to him. She keeps lying to him, and he keeps falling for it. I mean, you know, I understand. Getting lied to one time and somebody fooling you. You know the saying, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Three times for Samson. Three times. And then finally, after she does this, he says, shave my head. If I was to cut my hair, I'd be like other men. Notice he didn't say anything about the grapes. He didn't say anything about the carcass. You know why? He'd already blown those things. I think Samson knew, I've got one lifeline left. There's only one thing left that I have not done wrong. He's like, I still haven't cut my hair. And he tells her this. Just completely clueless. And then she goes and she cuts his hair and he doesn't even notice that. Now, I can't even imagine how long his hair must have been after all these years, never cutting his hair. And you would think all of a sudden he would have noticed a big weight lifted. But she goes and he wakes up And he goes out and the Bible says 
He wished not that the Lord had departed from him. Didn't even realize he did not have the power of God in his life anymore. Didn't know it. Boy, we see that all the time. People who get away from God and they disobey God and they can't even tell that their relationship with God has ceased. That they, are, they can't even tell that they're backslid. They think that they're just fine. And others, we look at it and we think, boy, can't you see there's something different? I guarantee everybody that saw Samson noticed something different. They noticed that hair was gone. And Samson goes out there, and of course the Philistines come on him, and they take him, and he all of a sudden he's not throwing them around like he used to. And they take him. They poke his eyes out. Put his eyes out. Can you imagine? I can't imagine how painful that would be. I can't imagine losing my sight, one of our most precious senses. And he he loses that, and and now it's too late. He's weak like other men. Now he's blind, and he's in there and he's grinding in the mill all that time. And finally, you know the story. He goes and he's in the midst of a stadium being mocked. They're making fun of him. I can't imagine the humiliation of that. This man who the Philistines feared before, who had defeated them, who led Israel, I believe, for 40 years and was a good judge for 40 years. He is now standing there between those posts, weak, being laughed at, being made fun of, blind. And then he finally realizes. And he goes and he prays to God and he's asked God to show him mercy. And he said, Lord... Let me be avenged of my enemies this one last time. And God gave him strength one more time. And he pushed those pillars down and that building came down on Samson and on all those Philistines and he slew more people that day than he ever had in his life before. But at the same time, but Samson died in that situation. God was merciful to him, but he was dead. He should have noticed these things. God gave him one warning after another and he missed it. And you know, I believe in our nation today, we are noticing some very, or we're not noticing some very obvious warnings. You know, I I look, think about the moral decline in our nation. I tell you that just just the fact that the president of our our president has gone now as far as saying that he thinks that gay marriage is okay, that a state. For every state that's ever voted on gay marriage, they voted it down up until just the other day. Every one. I mean, we're going downhill fast with this stuff. That ought to be a warning to us as a nation that, well, this is bad. I mean, the immorality that's going on, the unwed mothers, the amount of abortions that are going on, that ought to be a sign to us. All the STDs and things that are out there. I mean, it's getting worse and worse. And the uh, the sickness, the drunkenness, the uh, the drugs. I mean, a state, an entire state, voting to legalize a drug as a nation. We ought to be looking at that and saying, "Hey, we are in trouble. There is something seriously wrong here, and we're not noticing it." The corruption of our political leaders. It is ridiculous. The people, some of the people that got. That we just reelected. I think about in the Chicago area, Jesse Jackson Jr. I mean, just as corrupt as they get. I mean, openly. I mean, it's it's out. It's been out there in the open. Some of the affairs and things he had. The guy. I mean, he's been hasn't even done anything for months. Been sitting in a hospital because of depression and things. Doesn't even campaign and wins in a landslide. And now he's probably going to get removed from office anyway because now 
there are all these charges and things are coming out. I mean, and everybody's known about all this stuff. But he still got reelected overwhelmingly. How can you be that corrupt and still get reelected? That's scary. In our state, Illinois, we are one of the worst states in the union when it comes to elected officials. We've got the most corrupt bunch. Our last two governors are in prison right now. And they should be. And there's a lot more that ought to be there with them. We have all kinds of our former leaders that are in prison right now. I mean, they're dirty. Just dirty and crooked. And you know what? I think if we let some of these guys out of prison right now, they'd get reelected. That's how goofed up our state is. And it was our state that got President Obama known nationally. We were the ones. We knew how he was. We knew how liberal he was. And we elected him as senator. If we if we hadn't done that, nobody'd ever known who he was. He'd have never become president. But our state, listen, I mean, if, if you want to have a chance nationally and you're dirty and you're corrupt, you need to come to Illinois. We'll still get you in office. And that's just that that's how it how it is here. It's ridiculous. But look at the spiritual decline of God's people in churches today. The same problems that are going on in the rest of the world are running rampant in churches today. In in churches. I mean, teenage pregnancies are common. In in churches, you know, uh, just immorality, adultery, fornication, with even pastors, pastors of churches doing these things. The spiritual decline of God's people, that ought to be a warning sign to us. The shutting down of churches, churches closing down all the time. Churches that used to be good, thriving, churches that were a help and a blessing to their community, closing their doors. Just the absence of revival. It's been a long time since we've had something like we had. Our nation's had two great awakenings in the past. But it's been a very long time since that second great awakening. It's been a very long time. We need another one. Why haven't we had one in such a long time? That ought to be a warning sign to us. I think about some of the natural disasters and things. How do we know that's not God judging us? Just hurricanes, seems like more and more of them. Earthquakes, more and more earthquakes these days than ever before. You see all these things happening. These ought to be warning signs, but nobody even thinks about that. If a preacher gets out there and just suggests that this may have been an act of God because of our nation's wickedness, they are mocked, they are scoffed at, they are, I mean, just ran down. We're not, we're not even allowed to think that way. And these things may very well be warnings from God. Every time we've ever done something as a nation to go against the nation of Israel, we have some kind of natural disaster. Every single time. And nobody pays attention to that. Nobody notices it. I mean, I get scared to death whenever I hear about some of the things that we do to Israel, the way our country has treated Israel in the last four years, the way our president has snubbed their leaders. Every time we do something like that, every time, I mean, even President Bush, I mean, he made a lot of horrible decisions involving Israel. And every time, there would be some kind of natural disaster after that. There's there's a couple books out there that uh, that will show you those things. The dates that we went against Israel, and immediately after that, there was some kind of natural disaster. Every time. We see that in the Bible. You go against Israel, you're going to be in trouble. You're going against the apple of God's eye. You don't mess with them, but we don't notice the warnings. We just were completely clueless to it. 
And one thing that we ought to be able to do as Christians, at least, we ought to be able to do a better job of paying attention than these guys did in the Bible. We don't want to be like Balaam and be just one step away from being destroyed. Hey, we need we need to wake up as a nation. We need to wake up. We need to wake up as a church. We need to wake up as individuals in our own life. Listen, when you know you're doing wrong, a lot of times it's like with, with kids whenever they're doing something wrong and they know the parents aren't watching. It's like they won't. They know they suck, but they won't look at them. And it's like they think, okay, if I, you know, the parents leave me yelling. It's like, okay, if I ignore them, it'll go away. If I ignore it, it'll go away. No, it's not. If you ignore it, you're only going to make your parents more upset. You're only going to get yourself in bigger trouble. And right now, God's trying to get our attention in our country. God's yelling at us. And we know we're doing wrong. We know we're doing stuff that we shouldn't be doing. And we're just kind of ignoring Him. We're not paying attention. Alright, if I don't look at Him, it'll go away. If I don't respond, if I pretend I can't hear Him, He'll stop yelling. No, if we pretend we can't hear Him, then He's going to have to get up. And He's going to have to physically get our attention. And kids know that when it gets to that point, it's not good. It's there. There comes a point. I remember when I was a kid, there was there was times when you knew you crossed the line and you were in trouble. You know, kids they kind of know their parents pretty well, and they know how far they can push things. And there's sometimes I remember growing up where I was like, I knew I pushed a little too far. I knew I was in trouble, and I, there was no getting out of it. And those weren't. Those weren't pleasant situations. And I believe we're at that point right now in America where we're, just, we're not paying attention. We're ignoring it. If I don't listen, it'll go away. If I pretend I can't hear, he'll just get tired of yelling. No, I won't. God's going to get our attention. And we better notice the warnings ahead of time. So let's all stand together. Heads bowed and eyes closed.